1: welcome to the iron women podcast i'm Alyssa gadesky and i'm here with my co-host haley chura haley you are on your five month plan to the world championships right so if this is like uh, may it's may 7th may 7th i'm like i guess i'm thinking if we were only having world championships in october as per normal this would be like april may timeframe. so we would be just like emerging from our winter cocoons and hitting the ground running literally to like get do that build. So but you're like there now inside the winter cocoon hitting the ground running. I feel like I'm still How's winter cocooning.
2: <laughs> I'm like um it is i mean no it does not feel like may it feels like january it's like snowy and cold and dark and so i don't know how this is gonna go i i don't know but um but you know last week i was very excited about a certain football game and so i've been distracting myself with that university of georgia bulldogs won national championship i know i've been talking first time they broke their 30-year drought streak right Forty one year drop. Forty one year <laughs> holy moly. That's older than us, Alyssa. Older than our inside tracker inner ages, even.
1: <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah, it's That's definitely That's, been a while. Yeah. I mean, well, congratulations to you. Yeah, I did so hear like, the news the next day and I was like very excited for you.
2: I'm, I'm like buzzing from that. And there's just like, you know, it does give me a little extra boost a little bit when I get on. It's a good year
1: to be a dog then. Yeah,
2: it is. It is. So, you know, I'm like, you know, it's just, I, I, I am a good, you know, a big fan of the Georgia Bulldogs in general, all the athletic programs. And it was fun to kind of celebrate with some of my fellow alumni virtually and, um, reminisce about our glory days. And then also take, you know take advantage that i get to still like go hard some days and you know in a different way on the bike running i still go hard in the pool though i mean that actually shocks me some days where i'm like wow i'm still doing this and i like am actually still pretty fast <laughs> so i'm like go me go university of georgia bulldogs i'll take it that was a good set of 400s their day <laughs> well i okay well i
1: don't know i think maybe I know our Haley's Kona prep workout of the week was a very popular segment for our listeners so I will bring that back but with the St. George World Championships prep of the workout of the week. I'll have to come up with a good name for it and just to give you
2: fair warning probably at your like 3 months out I'll start to ask you for those. Okay, okay. Thanks for not doing it today. I was like, wait a second, do I need to actually I'm like I could I could come up. I've had some fun workouts lately. You know, they're mostly indoors. And, um, I mean, I think in this week's episode, we talked about, is this? I think our interview this week, we talked a little bit about Strava and how I'm not on Strava. Cause I do think it would be quite boring to look at all my indoor workouts, but again, I don't know. I mean, do people post indoor workouts on Strava? They do. I don't. And so I think people think I only train like a quarter of the
1: volume <laughs> that I do because I just, I don't put swims. I don't put treadmill runs. And I don't, I guess I do. If I get on Zwift, I'll, Maybe put it on because it's very easy to do it, but I won't do it if I just, like, ride the trainer for a workout or something like that. Um And so, spoiler alert, people who follow me on Strava, I do a lot more training than I put on there. But, um Haley, I did something fun in training this week. I practiced my snowshoe running. Ooh, because uh... I'm signed up for the Race to the Clouds, I think it's called, the, like, Snowshoe Race up Mount Washington. Oh, wow. I don't think we go all the way to the top. I don't think we go all the way to the top. I think it's
2: like a... Okay, because I'm like... Yeah, no, I think it's like that's a... That's a bucket list race for me. I want to do... I love running uphill. Um, I just... So the road running, I think the, I think they take the toll
1: road all the way to the top, to the summit. Yeah. I think this, and I need to double check. I think this is like a... It's a 10K total. And I want to say like a good like five or 6K of it is on like groomed golf course type of trail, like paths or something, and then you go up. And I want to say you only go like halfway or something. No, um, I don't. I don't think we I go mean, all from the way. What to the I've top heard the that major, is a very
2: legit uphill run. It could. Well, today
1: actually there was like this crazy snow windstorm, and we had like fifty-seven mile per hour winds here where I live. And it was like gusting regularly over a hundred out in Washington. So, Dang. Um. Anyway, I practiced for that event. Cause I was like, I don't want that to be the first time I've run in snowshoes. So I, uh, this past weekend did half of my long run in my snowshoes and it was an adventure. I think I'm actually best suited for a snowshoe race down Mount Washington. I
2: like really enjoy the downhill, downhill snowshoes snow is fun. I've, I've run a like, lot. You have, you're so fast. It's like, and you have, you're so good fast.
1: And you, yeah, you have really good group. You feel like you have like more stability cause you're like, and you kind of get you like know, a little like on these like dinner plates and like yeah, and like, it's it's the like ultimate car.
2: It's yeah. like <laughs> I'm like, that's where like Nike got the idea, is from snowshoes. But yeah, no, running yeah. downhill in snowshoes is very fun. Snowshoe running is hard. I do think it's hard. It's really hard. I mean,
1: but I, I will say, so as per usual, I was like, oh, I am running 20 miles, so I'll do 10 on the like normal running and then 10 in my snowshoes. And 10 miles of snowshoes was a lot of snowshoe running. And so it, but, you know, I will say it was one of those things where I was like, I had some issue. Like I had to figure it all out. Like it gave me enough time to get really frustrated, allow myself to sit in that frustration and then overcome the frustration and like fix some of the things that were like, you know, like the 10 miles is the span of the whole evolution. So that by the end I wasn't like kicking myself and giving myself these like cuts on the insides of my ankles. And I had like kind of mastered the gait I needed and I was climbing a little better. And it was, it was fun. I like it. Wow. Wait, a 20 mile run. Did you already say how long this race is? The race is only 10 K. So oh. I'm not necessarily training specifically for it, but I was like, Oh, I'll like split this <sighs> long run. Cause it was like, you know, just a long, like it, it was, it's hard to say like, a trail run when you're living somewhere snowy, you know, so like I could have maybe run some snowmobile trails or something like if it was packed down or whatever. So it was kind of just like an adventure run, you know, and so I figured it would be a good chance to try it
2: out. Wow. Um, I I mean, I kind of like maybe we got a bonus Alyssa's workout of the week for the 10k (laughs) at Mount Washington. She ran 20 miles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, you are very aerobically ready for that 10k. You know, it's, it's definitely. Well, it is funny. It's actually, you know,
1: now that you say that is it's more than, 10, it's probably not a full 20k, but you have to be able to get yourself down too. So like I said, you're not going all the way up. So I'm assuming you probably only have to get down like four or five K maybe. Um, this is after the like, finish line you walk down after the race or you, are you have to, you, yeah, I'm going to, I'm definitely, I'm going to be like, who wants to race down? Like, it? <laughs> <laughs> um, But it says like, so there's also a ski race and a fat bike race and it's like, whatever you ride, go up with, you come down with basically mm-hmm. is their rule. Like there's no shuttles or anything like that. And so um, needless to say, if I skate skied up, Mount Washington, I would definitely not be coming down on skate skis because that would be scary.
2: So, that would be scary.
0: Um.
1: So snowshoe it is. And um, But so, yeah, anyway, for people
2: training for it also, make sure you're thinking about the run back to your car. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that from your FKT adventures. But Alyssa, I love that you're embracing winter and all these like winter sports, new winter sports. I think it's very admirable and probably is making you appreciate where you live a little bit more. So, um, you know, good job. Good job. You I'll represent for those what of mean? us who just hang out on the trainer and the treadmill <laughs> and the indoor pool. You're not the only one Haley. Don't
1: worry. I know when I talk to Sarah true, I'm like, have you tried this? Have you done this? She's like, no, I actually do my training and I do it really well. <laughs> and I'm like, that's makes you an Olympian. So, um, anyway, folks, um, actually, while we're talking about winter, Haley, let's, um, let's open our mailbag because we have a question that kind of relates to all of this stuff. Is that good? All right. Do you mind us doing that? Okay. Oh, I'm ready for mailbag. So listeners, don't forget. You can always write in to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and we will answer your questions. And so we have a really fun mailbag question came in from Katie Tobin. Thanks, Katie. And this was a little time sensitive, so I'm glad we're getting it in before your race, which this uh, is this Saturday, the 22nd, I believe. So Katie is racing her first winter triathlon at the end of January. I think I found the right one. That's on the 22nd. I guess it could have been another one. But Katie says it's also USAT Winter Tri-Nationals. Um, the format is Run, Bike, Ski. And she's looking for advice on gear, keeping nutrition from freezing, layering, et cetera. And Haley, I think I looked up the... I think this is it. It says USAT Winter National chi- Championships. It's in Anchorage, Alaska on the 22nd. So this Saturday. And it's called the Triflake Winter Triathlon. I love the name. This sounds like a blast.
2: It sounds right up your alley. What is a winter triathlon? Um, I think it can differ. But it in this one, you run
1: 6K. And then you bike 8 miles. And then you ski... 6k and it sounds like you can do a freestyle ski which sounds really fun and but it actually just means you can classic or skate ski I think um I don't think you can like do a routine, like a freestyle
2: routine, or anything. You can freestyle routine for six kilometers. Also, I love that that we have a mixture of kilometers and miles because that's exactly how my brain. works. Per the race website that I found, (laughs) they are just being inclusive for all the um, every kind of measurement,
1: measuring systems. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and so Haley, this does sound like it's up my alley, and I admit I had uh, looked at winter triathlons as a was moving to a winter climate because of course I'm like, well, something else I can compete at that's like a little off the beaten path, right? Um, but I haven't gotten around to doing one, but Katie, have no fear. We're gonna give you a lot of advice because we both do things in the cold environment sometimes. So um, that's what we're, we're here to do. So Haley, but Haley, have
2: you've never done a winter triathlon, have you? No, I haven't. I've done triathlons okay. in wintry conditions, but they were all swim, bike run. Okay. So,
1: all right. Let's look at this then. Gear, keeping nutrition from freezing and layering. Um, and you are going to do a run, a bike, and then a ski. So, I think the running is going to make you super hot. So, you want to start cold and you want to. Start cold. Wear, have like. Oh, start I'm sorry. Cold. Are you yeah. saying like. Well, you're, you're like, like wearing like a no, I don't, I would just wear like a lot, one long sleeve bait, like, a. I would wear a long sleeve and I would wear tights, I think for the whole thing. And then for the bike, I would throw on like a puffy coat and maybe a vest. I don't know, because the biking sounds like it could get cold. Eight miles is a long way to fat bike too.
2: Yeah. I, I find fat biking the biggest thing is my hands, um, that gets cold is my hands. And so I would say like, really, you want really good gloves. Um, and maybe a face mask, you know, that would be, um, that would be my, my, I mean running. Yes. I agree with Alyssa. Like, you will probably be plenty warm running. Um I again, sometimes gloves, running gloves, and maybe, you know, the big ones that you like stick your hands in on that are already on the bike are probably the best. Hoagies, right? I Hoagies. I don't have them. Um I think they're quite expensive. I think they're called and so I thought that's what they were like. Yeah,
1: Um, well, if you start shopping, Katie, it's probably too late. If you start looking for them (laughs) online, you'll start getting Instagram ads for like the invitation ones that are like 30 bucks. And then you can try those first before you invest in bigger ones. So Um, that's. too late for your race. Sorry, Katie.
2: But so I would just say, you know, really protect your hands and then skate skiing or free, you know, or, um, classic skiing, freestyle skiing, freestyle skiing. skiing, I think of all the jumps and stuff, but, (laughs) um, skate skiing, I, I, you know, I think you get pretty warm skate skiing as well. So I don't, I mean, I think the bike, your hands and your face on the bike, that'd be the biggest concern I would have for, for warmth, just based on my experience commuting to the gym, the pool in the winter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do. I would say, I mean, I've skate skied minimally, but I've done it, and I would wear the same thing for that as I would wear running, and I would be like as aerodynamic as possible for the skiing, right? So, and even for like the biking and the run, like I, I would still think about that as like a true triathlete should. Um, you know, try not to have a lot of layers, but if you do, have them be pretty tight fitting. I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and ooh, I would definitely wear like the neck gaiter. I feel like that would be that's like a key piece of things I'm wearing during winter sports here and keeping things from freezing. Um, Lindsay Glassford, who is our feisty media producer. And she suggested, this is like a great tip that if you're wearing, I would probably go hydration pack for like the duration of it. Um, although it's pretty short, I don't know. I'd have to do the math on how long it would take, but if you do a hydration pack, your valve or your straw will probably freeze. So tucking that into like, if you're wearing a vest or something, your top layer and keeping that as close to your body as you can so that it doesn't freeze will be key. Otherwise you'll just be carrying around a pack of hydration
2: that you can't oh, drink out of. That'd be so, so sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Can I, I have one little spoiler for you, Alyssa, on this question. Yeah. I've been waiting for it. Cause you said you were going to throw something at me when we discussed
1: this and I was like,
2: have you, is someone, yeah, tell me, I'm dying. So I actually um, traded some Instagram DMs with Katie and I don't think she's racing this weekend. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sorry, but we still gave really good Wait, advice. Is, it, is this,
1: was she supposed to? Yeah. Did I look up the right race? Oh, okay. No, I she was going to.
2: I think it's a, a okay. pandemic COVID decision. Oh, and so I smart, think maybe. she is actually looking at doing the, uh, um, 100, 100s that I like wrote for, um, triathlete magazine that was posted last week. So if oh, anyone hasn't yeah. read that the link is in my Instagram DM, but I wrote a little hundred 100 set and I think she might do the 10 K, 10 K, 10 K swim, 10 K run combo. Cause she still oh. wants a big adventure, which I think was the point of the winter triathlon. And so Katie, we, we support you on, um, on that venture as well. And I already gave all my advice in that article. I have nothing else. To oh, so that's do. good. So we
1: don't have to worry about if our <laughs> advice is good or bad. And we we now have probably a season, I think, for me to hopefully find a winter triathlon. I can do it. And then I can give everyone some better advice. Yeah, Katie, you definitely piqued
2: Alyssa's interest. Like she was, she's, <laughs> I, I actually feel like I I, I kind of didn't want to tell her about the Instagram exchange because I was like, I'm going to crush Alyssa's spirits. Cause she's so excited about this, but I can't wait till you do your own. Maybe you could start this in New Hampshire. I feel like, no, the triflake New Hampshire. I felt like I was going to open this race website.
1: And it was going to tell me it was in New Hampshire. I feel like New Hampshire is made for these things. But- Alaska's kind of far. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, um, mailbag is always fun for various reasons. Iron women podcast, at gmail.com send us your questions and Haley. We have some feisty media news, which is exciting. Ooh, ooh! What's the news? We are hiring a feisty media for a customer experience <laughs> specialist. For... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm selling the job. This is going to be a great job. I don't know Haley why I'm laughing. not entirely sure what it is. We haven't read the description, so we can't give you any other information other than the title of customer experience specialist. So, if you are looking for some work to do, head to com and check out the job description if that piques your interest um so as you can tell maybe you get to work
2: with you would we get to work with the customer experience specialist do they get to work with us why not i mean yeah i
1: feel like <laughs> a joy
2: to work your odds with.
1: are yeah <laughs> we're very easy to work with don't worry <laughs> um haley i think is that that's all we have i think except for our you know
2: main function of the podcast which is our interview. Tell us more about that. Yes. I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, the Strava comment, but we are talking to Manami Jima, who is a avid Strava user, but, um, in case anyone needs someone to follow, but she's also a 29 year old professional triathlete living in Guam. And I, I think that could make it for some like very interesting Strava following probably a lot more interesting than my trainer rides. So, um, Definitely check that out. But Manami spent the fall racing on the mainland U.S. She did Ironman 70.3 Oceanside and 70.3 Indian Wells. But in between the two, she actually traveled back to Guam to become a naturalized U.S. citizen. And... Minami was born in japan but she actually hopes to be the first ever triathlete to represent guam in the olympics so we talked to Minami about her history in sport transitioning between long course and short course racing and how things are going on the path to paris we'll have that conversation right after the break haley have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super
1: quickly and efficiently
2: because they have a doctor on staff Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part they don't just give you data,
1: they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started.
2: Hi, Manami. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So you're in Guam, the U.S. island territory in the Western Pacific. Alyssa and I are both in slightly more northern latitudes right now. We're dealing with various amounts of snow. But since Guam is in the northern hemisphere and it is technically winter there, can you please humor
0: us and tell us what is what is winter like in Guam? Technically, it's rainy season, so we get a lot of rain right now. And this morning, I went. I went out riding at five a.m. and it was about, I think, eighty degrees, but it was kind of raining. Yeah. Wow, what kind of setup do you do to ride at five a.m.? I imagine it's still pretty dark. It's still pretty dark for sure. So we have like just you know your head headlight and your tail light, and I think it's it's pretty enough. Do you do? Whoa. And so are
1: you doing that to avoid the heat or are you doing that because you really love getting up early and getting workouts done early?
0: (laughs) No, I love to sleep in, but um, I'm trying to get better on the bike. And um, the only thing or the one way I can get better on the bike is to ride with other people. And my husband rides and he works full time. So I need to get up on his schedule. If I want to join the group ride, everyone, you know, mainly works at works from like eight o'clock. So yeah, and he's a morning person, so. That's very
1: admirable. I feel like a lot of people would be probably taking an easy way out on like Zwift even, but I think getting in that group riding uh, is definitely a key to getting better on the bike. So you're onto
0: something there. Um, And Manami, did you grow up in Guam? Have you always been there? Yes, um, I was born in Japan and I moved to Guam when I was about five years old. And I moved to Japan when I was 15 just by myself to get better at speaking Japanese and to pursue some swimming in Japan. And then I came back uh, after four years back to Guam. So I have been here more than half my life.
2: And you and I met at Indian Wells 70.3 last month, and and I believe you had just become a naturalized U.S. citizen. And in our conversation, it sounded like one of the big reasons you pursued naturalization was so that you could represent Guam in more international triathlons. Can you tell us a little bit more about that whole process?
0: So... Yes, you're right. And, um, it was kind of a long process. Um, in the beginning I was on a visa under my parents, um, because they work on Guam, they moved to Guam, or we moved to Guam, um, because my dad was working for one of the companies here. So we were on a visa for quite a while and we finally got, um, a green card, um, in 2013. I believe 2012 or 2013, and then I had to hold that for at least five years, pay taxes to Guam, which we've we, we've always paid taxes to Guam. But um, got my green card, and after five years, you can decide whether to become a permanent or just to hold the green card or become naturalized. And in the beginning, I was hesitant because we have to give up our Japanese passport; we can't do dual citizenship. But then. Um, I live here and I've been here all my life and I consider myself an island girl more than you know a city girl so I was like okay if there's more opportunities to represent Guam by getting naturalized why not take the leap yeah how was it did you have to
2: uh, like take a test and I mean I've had a couple of friends who've who become citizens, and it's, it is a long process, like multi-year process, and obviously you were doing this through the
0: pandemic when things were a little slower. Uh, did, it, yes. did it go smoothly for you? Actually, it did, surprisingly. I heard, like, all these stories where it took, like, forever, like, you know, two, three years and whatnot, but I applied for citizenship in, I believe, March of 2020, and I already taken my naturalization in – December so it didn't take the whole year yeah well from March 2020 to December 2021 or or 2020 or sorry I'm sorry I'm getting my dates wrong um it's it's easy these days No, know I feel
1: like anything that started in March 2020 is like basically (laughs) a blur after that so yeah
0: no you're totally fine (laughs) yeah oh so last year last year happy new years by the way I totally forgot um March twenty twenty one, and I got it the same year in December twenty twenty one. Did you have a little party? When? No. Oh, actually, I got it in November twenty twenty one because I did Oceanside, and when I was leaving Oceanside, I got the email that I needed to head head back to Guam to get to go through the naturalization ceremony. Oh. Wow. So, and I was supposed to stay in Hawaii, um, but. Flew back to Guam, stayed in Guam for five days to take the ceremony, and then flew back to Hawaii to train for Indian wells. And did you get to have a in-person ceremony with the the state of COVID and everything? Did you at least get to do that? Oh nice. Yeah, we did. Um, but I um there was a lot of people canceling. So I think about thirty or twenty or thirty people um came to the actual ceremony when there was supposed to be, I think, around fifty. Yeah,
2: congratulations on that. I think that's a cool story. And um, I hope, you know, I'm sure nothing has changed too drastically in day to day life. But I do hope that we get to see you uh, representing Guam in, in a race in the not too distant future as a Guam citizen. Thank you. I hope so, too.
1: And so just to kind of this is something I didn't know. So I'm assuming many of our listeners are probably in the same boat is that Guam sent five athletes to the Tokyo Olympics last summer. But if you, um, but if you qualified, you'd be the first triathlete. So how is the road to Paris going so far? That's a big question. I know. (laughs) Um,
0: Like I told Harry, um, Haley in Indian Wells, we had no clue what, or we still don't really have any clue what to do, but um, we found out that um, they start the points point accumulation for the Olympics in May. So we were like, okay, then we need to get to races. And we're, we're, we're at that right now.
1: And you're saying we, as in you and
0: your coach are kind of now navigating this, this road together? Um, my coach and my sponsors and um, Guam Triathlon Federation, because they've never had an athlete that, you know, could potentially represent Guam at ITU races so it's kind of a first for all of us that's really cool
2: and i do think i think that you know world triathlon series and world cup series all those races were just recently announced and i saw that there were several in asia so hopefully you're not having to make quite as long
0: of trips to to collect those points I hope so too, because I don't have any points and I'm starting from the bottom and I'm pretty sure that we have to go through like the continental races before, you know, going to the bigger or being able to go inside the bigger races. And the cases are going up in like the Philippines where they usually have the races. So (sighs) yeah, we have to keep, yeah, we're open to any races and most of the racing starts in May. So hopefully... Things kind of settle down again. Yes. Keep keep those group rides going so you're ready. But <laughs> I,
2: I am really curious because I grew up competitive swimming. I'm assuming you grew up as a competitive swimmer as well. And uh, I know that I grew up with the dream of competing in the Olympics. So were the Olympics, mm-hmm. was that always your childhood dream or has this come about more as you were
0: an adult and you had this opportunity to represent Guam? Um it actually wasn't i never really knew about the olympics i know it's it's weird i never really thought about the olympics or really knew about it. i watched it but i was i never thought i could get there as a swimmer i wasn't that great of a swimmer i was like a little above mid pack in japan and i was like okay i probably won't make it to the olympics but never thought of it and then triathlon came along and i was like hmm maybe we can consider it and yeah
1: i love how like slightly above mid-pack swimmers make (laughs) The best triathletes, right? It's like you I know, know in I my so head, I'm like, "Darn you guys! You just, <laughs> you're just <like laughs> the best swimmers in the triathlon community."
0: So you can you can use those skills for good in triathlon for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried to sit, hang on Haley's feet at Indian Wells, and I I totally lost her after like the second buoy. I was like, "Oh my gosh, where did she go?" <laughs> it
2: it I had a little advantage because i like i've I've had a lot of practice swimming through the pro men's field. We've talked about this many times yeah. God, that was where I got you. You need to swim in a more crowded lane get all your friends to get in there and you'll get used to it no
0: um yeah and I couldn't see I couldn't see your feet like in the in the um what is it the glare yes it was, it was wearing funny. regular goggles yeah.
2: Yes. Well, get that. You know, you you figured that out. Have you done anything? I mean, you are a really, really strong swimmer in triathlon, and I am curious. Like, have you done changed your your training at all as you've gotten older? To like really kind of. I mean, I would say you are definitely more than probably mid pack. Um, you know that you are more of an elite swimmer. So, like, has anything changed? Do you feel like
0: open water swimming suits you better than pool swimming? Um, well, I'm swimming way less than when I was swimming as a swimmer. That's a big change. And, um, I've never really open waters. I never really do much open water swimming. So I need to get on that just because I'm kind of terrified of open water swimming like so I everyone know, else. I, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I need to get on that um there's one group swim that goes out in the ocean on guam that i know of and i'm trying to get out there but i thought um riding was my priority right now and so manami you're you started racing triathlon
1: by racing 70.3s and now you're looking you know as we've been talking about to make that move to the short course non-drafting racing of the world triathlon series the wts and the olympics you know and in the past that would have been really unusual. We wouldn't have seen many people doing it, but recently we have seen athletes like Lucy Charles Barclay and Taylor Nib move back and forth between race formats and have like great, you know, results doing so. So does their success inspire you? Is that, you know, has that been sitting in the back of your mind to kind of give you, you know, an
0: open mind towards that process? Oh yes, totally. I mean, um, the 70.3 is pretty long for me, to be honest. And I've always wanted to do the shorter stuff just just because I love how different of a race it is or watch, just watching it. It's like, wow, these girls are all together. Whereas in a 70.3, I'd get like really badly dropped after the swim and be alone for the whole day. So I was kind of interested in seeing how I could race in a shorter distance and not be like left behind 10 20 minutes and yeah I mean I feel like oh sorry oh no go ahead go ahead I don't know I feel like a lot of the 70.3 girl ladies can totally do a shorter distance race and excel at it so I was like okay maybe I can try it too I know. I think when we had
2: Jeannie Seymour on, who plays second at the recent World Championships, or no, Taylor Nib was saying Jeannie wants should do some shorter distance races. So maybe this is something we're going to see, which I think is really exciting. We've seen, you know, some some other. Uh, I guess this last weekend in Picone, Louisa Baptista, she just had an incredible race. ITU athlete, um, or world triathlete, world triathlon series athlete, you know, racing 70.3 distance. And I imagine she's not done with world triathlon series. So I think that we are going to see a lot of overlap between those two formats. Well, and part of it is too, I mean, you
1: know, the opportunities, right? Like there used to be a lot more short course opportunities, I guess, in, especially in, uh, like non-draft short course. And then those athletes might kind of go back and forth between the WTS stuff and things like that. But so for you, Manami, like being able to see this opportunity that you can kind of take advantage of and seize, I think is, is going to be great. And I think, um, there's definitely, I'm sure other, other professional women who would love to have an opportunity like that to, you know, spin their wheels a little bit more at that short course distance.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I hope, I hope more people do it too. I mean, I'm totally inspired by Lucy Charles going, you know, all the distances, so it's pretty. I, I feel like everyone can do it as long as you, you know, try and I guess try.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did the non drafting Olympic distance at uh, what LA triathlon this past year, yeah. and it was really fun. It was brave, Haley. It was, was <laughs> yeah. brave. I will say it was, it was fun. It was like, it doesn't. It feels it still feels long. <laughs> I was expecting it to feel really short and I was like, This is the longest ten K of my life. But I will say it's it's just an interest it's a different racing dynamic and I think I had mm-hmm. I had like fifteen seconds over I think it was Megan Foley was behind me. And it felt like a lot of distance. I was like, "Oh, I've got this," which is odd because if I only had 15 seconds in a 70.3, I'd be like, "Oh, they're right on my heels." Or 15 seconds in an Ironman, and it's like, "Oh, it's good as over." You know, they're definitely gonna. And so it's a it is a different mindset, and it is it is kind of fun, and it's that fierce racing, and um, having the both of them is 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 a good good combo. So I like I like that you are joining the joining the crowd of, of people who do both.
0: Yeah, I hope you guys do it too. It'll be pretty cool, right? If everyone starts doing it. Because imagine going so hard and you have 15 seconds on a shorter race and it, you know, like, we, like what you said, you have a pretty good gap. But then if you're going so hard and you only have 15 seconds on an Ironman, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to blow up. I can't, you know, keep this pace. So it's, I don't know, I I feel like it's pretty exciting.
1: I think my limited, my very limited days of short course racing are all
0: behind me.
2: (laughs) No, I want to see see it. I want to see it, Alyssa. You, you would like. I mean, it's like that's like Alyssa's like. She, I mean, it'd be like your warm up. You could just take
1: my Iron Man pace and then just like <laughs> you know, basically use that and extrapolate what I would go for an Olympic distance because
2: that's about the same. So yeah, it's really <laughs> odd, like not having to worry about nutrition and all that. It's a different, it's a different yes. kind of like yeah, prep for sure. But we talked about. It, I was like, listen, do I wear socks? Do I not wear socks? It's like no socks, <laughs> no socks. That's when that's another thing to practice. But um, circling back to your recent 70.3s, you raced. You mentioned how you raced Oceanside at the end of October and you finished 8th, and then you were 15th at Indian Wells in the beginning of December. And due to, I think, injury and the pandemic, these were your first pro races in more than two years. So what made you decide it was worth the trip to the mainland US to do those two races with a trip to Guam in between?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was pretty hectic, but um, I think there was one... So we didn't have racing on Guam. It was mostly virtual races, and I did one and it wasn't really fun because, you know, you're just by yourself trying to push as hard as you can. And I just, uh, running a 10K by myself hard was, I couldn't even do it. So, and then we had a race over the summer, the Guam National Triathlon, which is a big one on our Island to crown the national champ, which I couldn't be because of the naturalization came afterwards. So I raced that and then I was like, everyone's, ra- you know, I saw you guys racing and I was like, everyone's racing, everyone's pretty much traveling, I need to get to a race. So that kind of motivated me to start, you know, to get to a race and Oceanside was the the closest. I mean, it still took a day to get there, but it was, it was the cheapest and the closest and I was like, okay, I'll train for that. So it was more like I raced and I realized that I can't be a professional triathlete without racing. So I need to get one regardless of, you know, if I'm, you know, how expensive it is or how far it is. So yeah, that was, that was the start.
1: And you said the virtual racing wasn't super fun for you, but so was it fun to be (laughs) back
0: in a real life pro race? It was so much fun. I mean, I was super nervous, but it was just so much fun. I was like, okay, this is why I'm pursuing triathlon. It's because I I want to race with the strong people and I just want to race in person, not not virtually and, you know, train every day. And
2: you have raced quite a bit in Asia, and I believe back in 2020, we interviewed Laura Nadu while she was living in Guam. I think she's now moved to Japan, but she talked about the incredible atmosphere at Asian races. So how
0: do you think the Asian and the American races compare? Um, I was lucky. I think I was pretty lucky at Oceanside because I was staying with friends and it was pretty much a party and Oceanside, you have the whole, like the crowd around you is so amazing. And racing in Asia is like really like that. You have the crowd around you, except um, um, the Asian races, the hosts, like kind of put all the pros together in one hotel. So you really get to know each other pretty well and yeah i think that was different but the same kind of thing it was pretty fun racing in asia is super fun yeah and i look i mean i am asian so they always think i'm one of them so they call me ate ate which means like sister in tagalog so they're always calling me sister 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 and i'm like oh hey i'm your sister (laughs) yeah which is pretty cool
1: that's super fun. I'm a big fan of the Asian race scene as well. Whenever I've gone over there, it's just such such a fun time. And you're right; it is interesting. Like whether the race does it or the pros all just kind of end up kind of teaming up together to get through it, because often the language barrier is you can't fake your way through most yeah. of the language barriers I mean. when you're traveling in Asia if you don't you know know the language. Um, but it is. You know, I'm I'm definitely another plus one for that Asian race atmosphere. But I haven't raced Oceanside, so I can't uh, confirm or deny if that matches the, I'm, the atmosphere. I'm very
2: there. shocked to hear that, that Oceanside had crowds that like that. I I mean, I raced it years ago as an age grouper, but I don't remember.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, it was it was kind of lonely on the bike because, you know, it goes through the the base and you can't I guess they don't have access to everyone doesn't have access. But then on the run, it was like it went through the neighborhoods and a lot of people were just like hanging out. I don't know if it's because, you know, COVID didn't have you know, didn't let people see, you know events. So I think there was more people out there. I don't know. I've never done the ones prior, but I felt like there was a lot of people. What what about Indian Wells? Wells. (laughs) Big one
2: as well. (laughs) Indian Wells, there's no
0: one out on that golf course. Indian Indian (laughs) Wells was pretty sad. uh, I mean, not sad, but pretty, pretty low. It got pretty lonely. I mean, the run was all right because all the other athletes were out there, but the bike and it was kind of, it was different.
1: Okay, Manami, well, we're putting a couple bucket list races on your list for you. We'll call that Paris twenty twenty four and Los Angeles twenty twenty eight as your bucket I list races. So. But aside from those, do you have any other bucket list races um, you know, you're looking to chip away at over these next few years?
0: Um I don't know. Do you recommend any? Because I mean I, I, I have to get out of Guam to try to to race so it's more like okay if there's any recommendation i'll put it on my list but i would love to do an ironman eventually not not next year but i mean this year but eventually
1: the full distance and challenge taiwan if you like racing in asia is really really fun and they have a good pro race there um (laughs) I mean, I'll travel 48 hours to do that race, like, anytime I can possibly fit it in. It's just – it's super, super fun, um, and they do a really good job with it. That's always one that I recommend, especially if you're looking to do that full distance.
2: Yeah, okay, got I know. it. Um, I love South America, um, which has to be even harder to get to from Guam. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. I mean, I think anything is probably hard – um, You know, if Ironman Coeur d'Alene came back again, I do love that one. It's going to be a very different climate than Guam, but actually, it was really hot this year. <laughs> actually, maybe not. That's yeah. Right. What well, do I end this
1: I've done it twice when it's really hot, so it might be the exact same. <laughs> yeah, you might love oh, it. Guys like the heat
0: then. What? So you guys do like the heat, because South America is pretty hot, and I'm guessing Challenge Taiwan is pretty hot, too. Challenge Taiwan is hot. Coeur d'Alene was exceptionally hot. I wouldn't say I love it,
1: but I do think, I do think I, pre- well, I don't know what I prefer really. If you go, I don't like extremes. If you go <laughs> far
2: South enough in South America, it's not hot. You got to like Pucon, like they had this last weekend in Chile. Um, like even I remember Brazil, it's like, it's during their fall, I think when you go to the Southern hemisphere. So um, it's not too hot. So that is something, I guess, if you like the heat, maybe don't, but if you want like a change of scenery, major change of scenery, um, you know, that's one of the nice things about racing is that you can go all over the world. But, um, you know, we, yeah. we, we, I listened, I am curious cause I think, um, you, we listened to you do an interview, um, with triathlete magazine. I think it was a triathlete hour podcast or podcast. And, you yes. you kind of mentioned how you were nervous about traveling. And from Instagram, you know, it, it looks like you did even more travel within the United States after Indian Wells, you visited San Francisco and Los Angeles. Um, I think then you went to your mom's home in Honolulu and then finally back to Guam. So did things get easier for you as you continued to travel? Do you think you're you've gotten kind of the hang of it after a
0: big trip like that? Yes and no. It helped that I had my mom on the second trip from Indian Wells to San Francisco to Los Angeles, we like drove around, but um, it just helped because traveling alone and traveling with someone is way different. I don't know if that that's with you guys too, but um, it was pretty fun. I think if I was traveling to somewhere new where I can't really speak the language like Europe, I think I said Europe, it would be a little nerve wracking I mean, I'm willing to do it if I had to. You could totally do it. (laughs) I mean, you guys do it all the time, right?
1: Everyone, I mean, uh, we are incredibly lucky and fortunate by the fact that, like, pretty much most places you go, people speak English and are willing to just, you know, even if they don't, they're, like, very friendly and will help, but, um, you know, I always looked at it as, because I don't speak, another. I speak maybe a few words of Spanish here and there, but I always would just look at it as going during a race is super helpful because uh, there's all these people traveling from all over descending upon this like tiny town or city or something like that, right? So you're not the only one and people are kind of coming across uh, people who are confused and might not speak their language more often. And that always helped me. And you can always like pick the other triathletes out of the crowd by being like, who's wearing their visor and they're like (laughs) compression socks. And then you just walk up to them and like ask them for help, right? And so a lot of them will at least like speak English and help you. So um, you can totally do it. I feel I have no doubts that like your experience in world travels is would set you up for success doing that.
0: I need to think about it that way. Yeah, that's such a better way of thinking. Oh, worst case, there's especially- a trip.
2: Yeah. And especially if you're racing on the WTS, you know, that world on series circuit, I mean, they're all, everyone's traveling together, going to all these places. I feel like they're all in the same hotels, quarantining in the same hotels. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you'll, it'll, it'll come together. But I do think it's one of those things that it, I, for me, it got easier as the more I done, the more I did it, like the more I've traveled, the easier it gets, like the more I'm like, okay, what can go wrong? have I been in this situation before? How do I get out of it? And I will say like the translate feature on your phone, you know, that's always very useful too. using technology.
0: <laughs>
2: yes. Um, and of this is kind of off the wall, but I heard when, or when you were in Hawaii, I believe you had planned to run the Honolulu marathon. And I am asking this because I actually raced the virtual Honolulu 10 K with a few friends because we couldn't make it to Hawaii this year. And I was not in shape in early this was like, wait, this was like December, this was the weekend after Indian Wells, I was not in shape to run a marathon. And so I was like, I'll do the virtual 10k. And so the weather for my virtual 10k was not very Hawaiian. I think it was 15 degrees Fahrenheit here in Bozeman, very snowy. And I actually ran what I felt was impressive for the conditions. I ran one hour and seven minutes. Um, My friend Betty Janelle was not impressed with that time. She was like, I won't tell anyone about your time. And I was like, that is a good time. I'm like, I, go see what I just ran through. So anyway, I'd love to hear about your experience. Like why did you decide to run the actual Honolulu marathon besides just being there? And how did that go for you?
0: So I only run half of it because at the 13th, thir- so one, uh, so this Hawaiian runner, he's 57 and he wanted to break three hours He's like a local legend in Hawaii. Um, his name is Jonathan Liao, Liao. And so he was getting some, recruiting some people to help him pace, especially the first half because the trade winds are so strong right now and he wanted like, you know like a draft and for us to block the wind. And he said, "You can pull out at mile eight or nine or ten like the other guys." So I was like, okay. But if I felt good enough, I'll finish the whole thing because, you know, why not run a marathon? I've never really done one before. Um, and then I, they have beaky stations. Beaky is like the rent-a-bikes. So they have like little rent rent bike. They're, they're called beaky, Biki, B-I-K-I stations around the area. And the last beaky station is at mile 10. So if you go anywhere past that you'd have to figure out a way back and I was like okay we passed mile 10 and I was still feeling good we were going like 650 per mile pace and I and then at mile 12 I was like I don't think I can last an entire marathon without getting injured and I don't want to start the next season season injured so then I talked to the other guys and there was a guy that parked his car at halfway point so I was like man okay I'll pull out after halfway mark and that's what i did but i had so much fun i think i could have gone to like mile 18 at that pace but then afterwards i probably would have like shut down and got injured and probably walked the last eight miles but i got a ride and then we waited at the finish line unfortunately he didn't break three hours but he came in at 303 which is pretty good i think it's really good for a 57 year old
1: yeah, that's really good. I,
0: I think that
1: I am. I, I'm just struggling to think what's running through my head when I would hit like my first of all, even like offering to pace a sub three hour marathon and be like, maybe I'll be able to run the whole thing, you know. And then what would be running through my head at miles, you know, six probably much earlier than what was running through your head. Like I don't know about this right now. So yeah. it's admirable that you were willing to to jump in and and help him and. Um, I think it makes sense probably for you and your goals right now not to have maybe overshot the mileage that
0: day. I know it was pretty like a, a disappointing because, you know, pulling out of a race, regardless of if you're doing it for fun or if you're doing it, you know, seriously is kind of like, oh, man, I, like, you know, why did I DNF kind of thing. But looking back now, I think it was a smart decision.
2: Yes. You have plenty of time to get back there. And maybe one of these days, I would love to run that marathon. One of these days I was in Hawaii in Honolulu once years ago when the marathon was going on and it was so fun seeing everyone afterwards, like walking around with their medals. And I was, I was admittedly a little jealous and it starts really early in the morning. Right.
0: Um, it started at five o'clock or something like that. But, um, yeah, they have donuts at the like fresh donut, fresh. They're called malasadas. It's like a donut without the hole in the middle, so it's like those are
1: really good. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah. I'm pretty sure you guys had some, right? But they're they have fresh malasadas at the finish line. Yeah,
1: Haley, we might have to sign up and give it a go. Were you were you going to run the marathon this year? Was that on the plane? No, no? I was going to
2: run the 10k. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was like i you was not i i like again i was like i've run a marathon i know what goes into a marathon i know it goes into training for a marathon it's not i am not someone who can just jump into a marathon these days um especially one week after a half iron man but i was like a 10k maybe but the virtual one was fun i i do think i would probably enjoy the one after the actual one in hawaii maybe i'll do the
0: 10k and come back for the marathon <laughs> but um well know. i'm pretty sure you guys will have so much fun it was i mean it wasn't as many people as you know the original years like you know because of the pandemic but um yeah you guys should definitely do it it's so much fun and I think you guys would do really well. You're helping us add, add some places to our bucket list. Thank you.
2: Appreciate it. I know, it. yeah, exactly. And Manami, be- yeah. yeah, before we let you go, we do want to ask, because uh, I was going through your Instagram, and I noticed you have three dogs, and we're big animal fans yeah. here at Iron Women. So can you tell us about them? Do they ever get to join you on any training, or is it just too warm in Guam?
0: Oh, so I have an, eight, an eight-year-old golden retriever. And he used to run with me, but he's kind of getting to the point where he's a little on the bigger side. So he doesn't join my runs, but we've been really trying to take him for walks to, you know, shed the excess weight because I think he's struggling. And then we have a one-year-old Labrador German Shepherd. She's like 80 pounds right now. And she, I don't know if it's because she's all black, like she gets really hot really quick. So she doesn't really run with me, but our 10 month old, or actually she's almost a year. We have a pit bull as well. She's pretty small, like 30 pounds. And we noticed that she runs really well. So I think she's going to start joining me for the shorter, like three mile runs Because anything above three miles, I think it gets too hot for them.
1: That is quite a crew you have there. A golden retriever, a lab, a shepherd mix, and a pit bull.
0: I love it. Like, such a motley crew. They're so cute. They're, like, right here staring at me. They can (laughs) hear all the voices, and they always come. So...
1: And Minami, we know it's, you know, we've talked about how hard it is to plan races and the fact that, you know, you have to basically travel if you want to be going to a race. So have you thought for um, 2022 yet, you know, where can we expect you maybe to see in these upcoming races you mentioned, maybe starting in May?
0: Um, and also, where can our listeners follow your journey online? So I'm looking forward to going back to Oceanside because I saw that they have it in April this year. So that will be the first race that I'll be going to. And then hopefully the ITU races around this region. I know they have one in Korea and one in Japan and Philippines. So if I can get into any of those races, I'll be racing those in May. And then we'll see how the year goes. But um, if anyone is interested in following my journey, I'm on Instagram, Manami Tries. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I'm on Strava, too. Oh, Strava. Oh,
2: Strava. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> I know. I, I am not very active on Strava, but I know others are, and it's all about those kudos. And Alyssa, are you on Strava?
1: I am, yeah. I get a kick out of it every now and then. I don't put, like, everything up there, but I, I dabble. <laughs> you,
0: you're, you're secret, You're the secret trainer? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I don't use my watch for, like, pool swimming or treadmills. Like, some people always have their watch going, so they always have mm-hmm. it, you know? So... If I do something where I don't have data, I don't, like, go and enter it or anything. But um, I do like to, like, and I don't build segments, but I like to, like, do runs and then see what stuff is out there.
0: Yeah, I think it's a pretty good tool, especially being on the island. You could, you know, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really have much, you know, group rides or group runs. So I think Strava really helps. And it's, like, mind-blowing the training that other professionals do. So it's like, oh, wow, they are. Training 30, 40 hours, whoa. Do you think
2: but, anyone would give given yeah. me kudos for my one hour, seven minute, 10K race? Because I believe yes, I deserved a lot of good. kudos. I, I think you could put up a picture yes. too so I could like show the picture. I'm like, that was, it was a very impressive run. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should join. You brought Hawaii to Montana. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, Manami, thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on your recent races. Congratulations on your U.S. citizenship. We can't wait to see you representing Guam. Hopefully, on the road to Paris, 2024, and enjoy the rest of your, you know, transition base building season as you prep for Oceanside and all those other
0: races. Thank you, Haley and Alyssa. It was. A pleasure speaking
1: to you guys. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an all-season
2: job? It really is, Alyssa. Winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelio's skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, the Twix chamois cream.
1: Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelio's products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com to get 15% off. That's right. Get 15% off at TeamZelios.com using code IRONWOMEN.
2: Big thanks to Manami for telling us about her a whole history in sport and what it's like to train and race when you live in Guam. And I also, you know, I love a good dog story. And Alyssa, um the opposite conditions compared to the heat in Guam. I know you just got a big snowstorm in New Hampshire. How is Ramona, your dog handling the snow? Oh
1: my gosh, thanks for asking. Well, she is really excited about the snow because she does we had really really cold so we had like a very thin layer of snow and it was like feels like temperatures of negative 30 over the weekend Mm -hmm. and so it was really cold and her poor paws like I had never seen this before something was happening with the really cold and the paws and like she won't wear booties and it's this whole thing so she just wasn't really going outside and it was so sad and she would just you know be a sad dog but with the snow now it's like normal again and she just like doesn't care i don't know why her paws aren't getting cold now but um she loves it and we have some snow drifts because the wind was crazy and so we have like some really tall drifts of snow where in the yard you'll be walking and it's like two inches two inches two inches and then all of a sudden like 10 inches right and so she'll just be like chasing a ball we were playing i don't know what's it called when you throw a ball for your dog and they chase it so you don't bring it back no no oh. <laughs> you're taking yourself for
2: back. Yeah, you're you're like I...
1: patch with yourself <laughs> yes we were playing that in the yard today and
2: uh, you're like throwing a ball is... and then you both go get it <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is it's like and I like sometimes I fake and I'm like come on bring it back and I'm like oh not this time and I like pretend like it's just that time she doesn't do it <laughs> just in case <laughs> someone's watching everyone. <laughs> Every time. Um, but anyway, <laughs> she was it's like so cute to watch her like gallop through the snow like and it all of a sudden gets surprised deep and she's like, whoa, but she loved it. She loved playing with the ball in the snow. Um, so yeah, it really does brighten my day to like, you know, have her just out there in the snow and, and loving it too because at the end of the day, she wasn't happy with the temperatures in Virginia, so it's really nice that she enjoyed the relocation to a colder climate.
2: Yeah, there is something so special about dogs frolicking in fresh snow. So I'm glad Ramona and is like when, living like her best life. You take life. pictures
1: of Cowboy like this with like the snowflakes on his nose and like in yes. his face
2: hair and stuff. And it's so <laughs>
1: cute, and they just look so like what? Like oops,
2: you know? So, it is cute. It good, yeah. does make for some good photo ops, and Cowboy can run a lot further in the snow because then they can also eat it and it tastes good and it's like a water source so then you don't have she to carry water She loves to chomp the snow. Like sometimes we go out for a walk and she'll just
1: like dive into the snow and start chomping right away and I'm like full of water like five
2: feet away inside. It's but, special. It tastes better, baby. I don't know. But, do they not um, get brain freezes? Probably not. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, um, Who has a podcast with a mailbag you can write that in too. <laughs> I don't know, Alyssa, but um, keep enjoying the snow. Keep trying those new sports. um, Keep training for your winter triathlon debut. Bye, Haley.
1: You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadesky.
2: Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives.
1: Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.